The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, Sarah Jakes Roberts, daughter of megachurch pastor Bishop T.D. Jakes, shares openly about her struggle to find her destiny. And at 13 years old, I got pregnant. I had my son at 14 years old. And from there, just the shame, the fear of not being able to really have a destiny that lived up to the last name that I carried, taunted and haunted me for many, many years. Today, I'm Sheila Walsh sitting in today for James and Betty Robertson. And I have to tell you, you have a phenomenal studio audience. And I think probably some of them are here because of my guest. One of the things I'm really excited about at the moment is that we have a product that we're going to make available to you, really for, for any gift you give us in helping um, feed children in Africa. But it's called Living Your Destiny. Have you ever thought, wouldn't it be great if I could sit down with five or six women who have really walked a long way with the Lord and learn some hard lessons and some powerful lessons along the way. Sit and have dinner. Well, we decided we'd just do it for you. So we have a series called Living Your Destiny. And it's teaching from um, Beth Moore, from Lisa Bevere, from Christine Kane, myself and my guest today, who is has such a powerful story. And I'm gonna tell you in a little bit how you can get hold of this, but please, will you welcome my lovely guest, Sarah Jakes Roberts. Welcome. Thank you. I remember the first time that I ever heard you speak. Um, you came to be a guest at Women of Faith, I think probably in our last year. And when I saw you, I thought you were just this young, very pretty, beautifully dressed girl. And you seemed quite quiet and shy. And you walked up on that platform and the way that you delivered the message that God had deposited in your heart really shook us all. Wow. And so it made me wonder, before we go back, was there a point? Do you remember the first time you thought, you know what? No matter what the past has been, God has given me a message to share and I'm going to share it. You know, to be honest, I think that every single day, <laughs> because no matter how many obstacles you overcome, there's always a new giant in front of you. And we're constantly challenging ourselves with the reality that the present will eventually become the past. And so we have to constantly strive to make this moment our best moment, no matter what's going on with the kids or our husband or whatever's going on in our personal lives, that we have an opportunity to really share Jesus in a fresh new way. And so I take that seriously every chance I get. Yeah. Well, in 2001, your dad, Bishop T.D. Jakes, yeah. was on the cover of Time magazine. I remember that edition. I mean, the minute I saw it, I bought it because I thought, wow, this is a landmark, really, in what God is doing in our nation. How old were you at the time? I was 12 years old. Tell us what the next year looked like for you, because just peeking through your window, it would look like everything was perfect, but you were going through some tough stuff. I was. I was struggling significantly with my self-esteem, trying to determine where I fit in a family that often seemed bigger than myself. And at 13 years old, I got pregnant. 
I had my son at 14 years old. And from there, just the shame, the fear of not being able to really have a destiny that lived up to the last name that I carried, taunted and haunted me for many, many years. But what I think is unique, if you will, about my story is also what should give some level of peace to other people because there's this misconception that if you had all of the right things, if I would have had my parents, if I would have had T.D. Jakes as my father, if I wouldn't have these daddy issues, or these scars, then maybe life would have been different for me. But the reality is that life doesn't spare its right on any of us, that you could be T.D. Jake's daughter or Joe Black's daughter and you'll have a cross to carry. And what matters um, isn't what you've gone through, but what you're willing to do with the results of the broken pieces that life often gives us. What messages did you hear in your head, knowing that you're pregnant, you're about to give birth, and you're 14 years old, Sarah, you're just a little girl. Yeah. How, what did that do to you inside? Man, I think just to give you insight, the mindset of someone that age when they get pregnant is that I'm gonna get in trouble. Of you course. know, without any real reality of recognizing that it's bigger than just time out or being grounded, that you're bringing a life into the world before you've even discovered what life is about yourself. I felt so much shame. I felt dirty. I felt embarrassed. And, you know, we all go through something. I think it's a little bit more challenging when you are responsible for your own issues. I think that oftentimes people can be victimized and then people can make decisions that end them up in places that they never expected. And for me, I felt like because I had the power to stop this and I didn't, then there must be something wrong with me. And so I spent many, many years thinking less than what God says about me. And I think that that's some of the things that we do when we're experiencing shame is we punish ourselves. And we think if I beat myself up in my head, I used to call myself all the names in the book, you're a Oh, nobody wants you, just all of these things. And I lived that until it became my reality and then I hated who I became. And I just had to make a decision that ultimately you can continue to listen to these voices of shame in your head or you can decide, I'm just gonna try and live on faith that I am who God says I am, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. In spite of what I've gone through, in spite of what my past looks like on paper, I'm just, I wanna believe that I'm better than the mistakes that I've made. And the moment I lived in that consciousness, I started noticing things change for me and began to turn around. And I think what I'm most proud of, though I have, you know, uh, book deals and I've been so blessed to be on these tours, what I'm most proud of is that I look in the mirror and I love the girl I am, the ugly truths and the beautiful things, and I'm no longer ashamed of who I am. I love that. I mean, I, I love that because, and one of the things that kind of blew me away about you, um, I, you know, I know that you, were, you went into a marriage that was very abusive, that, was, that just tore at you further, gave you more negative messages. But when that was finally over, instead of doing what people of my generation tended to do, which was to try and crawl under the carpet and hope nobody noticed us because we'd done the big unforgivable sin, you began to write, you began to blog. And what led you to be so open and transparent in the midst of what was painful? You know, I'm a church girl. I grew up in church and I know that it's not often very easy to vocalize why we come to church. A lot of people are faithful, but they don't necessarily explain the journey that led them back to God. 
And I wanted to save someone from going through what I went through. And I think that our symptoms are all different. You know, mine may have been a teen pregnancy, mine may have been low self-esteem, but the reality is that we all have something. And I just refused to be handcuffed by my something. And if there was an opportunity to break free from it, that I wouldn't let embarrassment dictate what I told other people anymore. And so I made the very conscious decision to share the incredible, um, I called them ratchet on the Women of Faith tour. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moments of my life mm -hmm. that you would never associate with T.D. Jake's daughter, but I needed people to know that this happened to me, but it may have happened to someone else, but that doesn't make us less than, and I really wanted to empower that 13-year-old girl who's rubbing her swollen belly or the 27-year-old woman who's wondering if she's ever gonna fully embrace who she is as a woman. I wanted to encourage them that you're not alone. Pain isolates us. Yeah. And when pain isolates us, it creates infection. And when we have infection, we have these actions that demonstrate that we're hurting on the inside. And I wanted them to know that what you're experiencing is simply a symptom. And if we can get rid of the disease, if we can pull that thing up from the root, that you can have the life that you always dreamed of. That's beautiful. Yeah. You know, when I was reading that part of your story in your book, it reminded me of your situation was different. Mine was I ended up in a psych hospital diagnosed with clinical depression, but it, that doesn't have much curb appeal in the church, you know, to have mental illness. You know, it's got the <laughs> curb appeal of cabbage, basically. But, but the thing that I learned during all of that journey was that I'm not the good news. Jesus is. Oh, I mean, what a blooming relief that is. Yeah, absolutely. Because so often I grew up thinking I have to be good enough for God. Yeah. And sometimes it's at the worst moments that you find the greatest freedom. Absolutely, his strength is made perfect in our weakness, but no one's willing to admit that they're weak. And I think that especially when you find yourself in church and you're serving on the usher board or you're there every week, that we think once we start going to church, we've arrived and we no longer have issues or struggles. And it's gonna take leadership and um, vulnerability to constantly remove the mask that church often makes us place on and say, I'm here because I need a safe not because I am one. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love that. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, um, your wonderful husband and you, I yeah. mean, your husband is just adorable and I he just him. adores you. It's very clear. It's very <laughs> sweet to watch. But I wonder how your story and your journey has impacted how you pastor. Oh, goodness. Um, I think that it has made us more effective as pastors. We both have very different stories, very different backgrounds, but we've lived such full lives that when people walk into our congregation at One Church in Los Angeles, that we're not expecting them to be the expected end that is promised to us. We recognize that they are a work in progress. And our job as pastors is to inspire them to live up to God's potential for their lives, but to also let them know Know that it's going to take work and it's going to take sacrifice, but there's nothing that you lose in Christ that he doesn't give back a hundredfold. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm thinking of somebody watching right now and maybe they're in a situation like you were in and they feel like they'll never be able to live out their destiny. It will always be second best. What would you say to someone like that? As long as you think you're never going to get out of it, you won't. 
that God is in the business of transforming our minds. So you have to change the thoughts that you think of yourself. And the message that I share in the collection is called Searching for Gold and how we often have these times in our lives where we're still searching for gold. And I talk about the California gold rush and how by the time the last people got there, that the gold had been embedded in the rock, so they had to be willing to break the rock to get to the gold. My message is ultimately that life hardens us. It makes us feel like we are um, worth sometimes that we have no purpose, but that God has placed gold inside of us. And as long as we're willing to break away at that rock, then we can discover the many treasures he's placed inside of us. Wow, this is powerful yeah. stuff. <laughs> is God the one that chips away or do we have to be participants in that as well. We must be participants in that. Faith without works is dead. And I think one of the things that I can say that I struggled with in my relationship with God is vocalizing that pain, is vocalizing those fears. And that's what God wants. He doesn't want this uh, image of perfection that we put on for other people. He wants our brokenness. He, it's attractive to him. He loves us in our most vulnerable moments. And there, when he's in that moment, that's where the power of his spirit can really transform our lives. So yeah, we've got to open up, we've got to be honest, and we have to be willing to allow his work to really take a hold of our lives. Could you imagine what the church would be like if we all actually believed that and lived like that? Because sometimes I think church is one of the least honest places. Mm. You know, it's where you feel obliged to put on a mask. And honestly, I discovered that, um, you know, when you're hiding your pain, sometimes we hide behind food or clothes or alcohol or relationships, yeah. I found the perfect place to hide, which was Christian ministry. Yeah, oh, wow. Because, yeah. I mean, who's going to say to you, put that Bible down or we're going to have an intervention? <laughs> you know, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> but God is the only one who actually knows whether we're serving out of pain or, or passion. But I think that you are exhibiting a new kind of leadership, mm -hmm. Sarah. I pray so. You know, a place where people are allowed to tell the truth. I think sometimes people are afraid of that because they think, well, then you're just giving liberty to people just to yeah. act anyway mm -hmm. at all. Is that your experience? Not at all. I think that we have to meet people where they are. Time and time again, we see Jesus in the Bible meeting people right where they are. And if we rob people from their ability to be honest and to share that truth, then the power of the word loses its power because we're not able to really be honest with them. You know, whether it was a prostitute in the Bible or a leper, the untouchables, that's who Jesus came for. And so I don't mind touching the untouchables. And, you know, hopefully I can be a bridge and so they're strong in Christ and then ready to go out and catch another. But each one must teach one, and that's how we will change the kingdom. Wow. If you could go back, would you change your story? I wouldn't. I love that. I wouldn't. Um, it taught me so much about myself. And I think that if I went back and changed that story, that I would have a different one that may be just as challenging and may have its own set of obstacles to overcome. But um, I love my son. He's wow. everything to How me. How old is your son now? He's 13. 13. He's taller than me. So can you all pray that he stops growing? <laughs> <laughs> I know what that's like. My son just came home from college and he, I don't he's like this it. little boy and now he's like six foot one. What and happened to I have them? no idea. I'm almost sure when he was two, I made him sign something to say this would not happen, but he's clearly gone against the deal. You should spank him. <laughs> <laughs> how the experience of what happened to you at 13 and then becoming a mom how is that because I know you have a brand don't you have a brand new baby I girl do. how old is she she's three months old how? she's the boss of me too <laughs> I'm very tired <laughs> well you look great but I'm wondering how that how your experience will change how you mother this little girl 
Oh, goodness. Um, it's taught me to be more sensitive. It's taught me not to put my own insecurities on her because it could be very easy as a teenage mom to build this parenting paradigm around you not being pregnant at the age of 13. But the reality is that that would then desensitize me to the other issues she may face. And so it's really made me accountable to God so that I can really guide and nurture her the way he desires, not the way I'm afraid of. Wow, yeah. I remember um, in the Dallas Women of Faith Conference, your mom was there, and I, some of us, it was sisters or aunts sister. you had, mm -hmm. yeah. But I remember halfway through your message, looking over at your mom and watching the wonder in her eyes as she saw this strong, beautiful, wow. godly woman on stage. I mean, we all kind of commented to each other, look at Sarah's mom, wow. look at First Lady Jake's. She's clearly been so impacted. Um, and I wonder, did it harm your relationship with your parents when things went so wrong? Well, I don't think anyone imagines that their daughter will be pregnant at the age of 13 or drop out of college or waitress at a strip club or get married and divorce. Ultimately, I don't You're think... You're just gonna throw a lot of that in there, really. <laughs> just keep, yeah. If you just keep talking, people move past it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's what I love about your story. About your honesty, all of that is... That's part of your story. Yeah, that's me. That's but my that's journey. But that's not who you are. No, it's not. And that not. was never who you were. And I think that that's what my parents knew all along. And so I think if you're a parent out there and you're experiencing some issues with your children, that you have to remember, if you place good seed in them, that regardless of what dirt is thrown on top of it, that that seed is still in there and with the proper amount of watering and nurturing that everything you placed in them you're going to see again. I'm literally evidence. If you could have never told my parents I'd be on life today, I'm fancy. <laughs> <laughs> you are so fancy. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I think there is a correlation between brokenness yielded to Christ mm -hmm. and, an, and powerful anointing. Absolutely. Because you can have somebody who's had it all together and honor the Lord and it's beautiful. But when you have someone who's been to very dark places yeah. and found Christ in the midst of that, there's an extra anointing that's on your life oh, that I'm is beautiful that. to yeah. behold. Thank you. And, you know, Sarah mentioned that she's um, part of this series with us, which we are so thrilled about. It's called Living Your Destiny. And maybe even as you're listening, to what Sarah shared, you think, I've always thought I've blown it. I'm gonna always have to settle for second best. I'll never be what I might have been. Well, I've discovered if you still have a pulse yeah. and there's not a white chalk mark around your body, mm -hmm. it's not too late to be the woman that God has called you to Absolutely. be. And we're gonna offer this to you. But first, I want to show you um, some other people who are very desperate and looking for help. Our very dear friend, Peter, has been in Angola and he brings us this fresh report that um, we'll talk about a little bit, but would you first of all, would you watch this? These mothers all share something in common, but it's a connection that no one would ever want to have. Severely malnourished children. If I was ever asked what would be the most important thing to do for children in Africa, I would say feed them for sure. Malnutrition is such a terrible disease in children. I mean, many times people look at it as being something that comes through hunger, and it surely does. But what it does to a child's body 
is really horrific. When you look at little Paolo here, just look at his little arms, look how thin his little arms are, look how his skin is beginning to change color because it's losing the nutrients to the skin. Mothers who live in sub-Saharan Africa are seeing their children die before their fifth birthday at an alarming rate, a rate the UN says is higher than any other region in the world. This mother wants to provide for her child, just like you want to provide for your children. There's no difference in her desire. The last thing on earth that she wanted was to end up in this malnutrition clinic with her little boy fighting for his life. That was not part of her desire at all. She's got here because she had no food to feed her child. You know that there's such an easy solution to be able to turn this little boy's life around and little boys like Paolo, and that's just simply by giving them a meal a day, a nutritious meal a day. Don't you think you can be a part? That little one is so weak he can't even cry. Could you hear that? He's trying to make a sound, but there's just not even enough strength or energy in his body to cry out. And this is not something that happened 20, 30 years ago. This is right now in Angola. They're experiencing terrible drought. And because of that, there's no crops. And because of that, there's no food. And these poor moms who are just like you and me, you know, they're just exactly like us who want to be able to provide for our children. But here's the amazing thing. This is the thing that gives me hope. We can change this. And it's not like this astronomical project that we can't possibly do. Every single one of us, even, I mean, I, I may as well let you know, my son who's 19 and my husband and I, we're all getting involved in this and we're all doing something differently. So if, if you even just have $30, do you know what this $30 will feed three children for three months? Don't you think it's kind of crazy that most of us here in the States or around the world and better, you know, countries where we have more resources, most of us are worrying about going on diets. And these children are literally starving to death, but we can change it. It's our greatest godly privilege as sons and daughters of the King, not just to thank God for the destiny that he's given every single one of us, but to do something in the name of Jesus. And so for any gift that you send in today, we're gonna to send you this Living Your Destiny series, this teaching tapes where you'll, you'll hear from, from Beth Moore, from Lisa Bevere, from Christine Kane, from Sarah Jakes Roberts, and from myself. But if you send in $100 or more, we're also gonna send you Chris Kane's new book, which is phenomenal. It's called Unashamed. If you've ever struggled with any kind of shame, this book will minister to you. And my own new book, The Longing in Me, How Everything You Crave Leads to the Heart of God. But let's just decide, you know what? Not in our time. We're going to draw a line in the sand here and say no more. We have so much and they have so little. So if every one of us just thinks, you know, okay, Lord, what can I do? And responds now, because it is a crisis. It's not something that we can put off for a few months because the, the people that we work with in those areas, they are praying. They've told us the needs and said, will you get back to us and let us know, are you able to help? I'm gonna be going to Angola really soon. And I wanna be able to say to these local partners and ministries we work with, I shared it with our friends and responses come in and we're gonna help. So please, would you do that? Would you go to your phone and call the number on your screen or, or go to lifetoday.org and make the best gift possible? Trust me, you can live without three more lattes. But honestly, some of these children 
are not going to survive unless they have one more meal. So please, would you do something now? Thank you. In remote and impoverished areas of Africa, families are suffering, facing death by starvation. And those hit the hardest are the children. Life's Mission Feeding Program is there, ready to feed and care for these children in crisis areas of Angola, Mozambique, and Sudan. With all of our previous reserves gone and Southern Africa facing its worst drought and food shortage in years, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of 30, 50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Please also consider a special gift of $1,400 to help sponsor a school and help feed 140 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you the brand new audio series, Living Your Destiny. Hear five outstanding Bible teachers and women of faith share how to live the life God destined for you. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll also receive The Longing in Me by Sheila Walsh and Unashamed by Christine Kane. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more, be sure to request Majesty, our 2016 commemorative bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or go online today and make your gift of life to help feed and care for hungry children. As I kneel here by these beautiful children, I want her to be healthy. And you can look at this little girl's complexion right here. She'll step out in the light. See, she's got some of the beautiful glow, but she still has a little bit of the red tint in her hair, which simply means that we're bringing them up to a norm. And this is a very poor area. And if we don't continue to feed these children, they'll just reverse and they'll go back into serious trouble. And we want to keep that going. We want these children to have an opportunity to get ahead in life. We don't want them to just survive. We want them to have a future and a hope because this is what God has for them. But it won't happen without your love. So I pray you'll respond today. Make the largest gift you can. If you could put arms around, see here's five children right here. You just put arms around these five or maybe you could extend your arms all the way back here and you just take 10 children into your arms. Would you help care for these 10 children? Would you do that? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I have to say, it's been such a joy to have you. I'm, I'm one of your biggest fans. <laughs> and you can go to, um, what's your church's website? OneChurchLA.org, OneChurchLA.org. Okay, yeah. and here Sarah and her husband preach. They are both amazing. When you hear them both preach, you'll understand why they stare at each other lovingly <laughs> <laughs> and really love each other. But we do, thank you so much for being with us. Will you please help me thank Sarah Jakes Roberts. We'll see you again on Life Today. God bless you.
In his new book, The Stream, James Robison charts a clear path to personal revival and spiritual revolution in our culture, values, morals, and in government. Reverend Samuel Rodriguez says The Stream is a Christ-centered, Bible-based prescription for these troubled times. Dr. Ben Carson says this important book points out many ways that we can use our lives to preserve those freedoms that made America great. The Stream, available now online and at retail bookstores. You and I have been set free to be free. We have not been set free to be in bondage. Beth Moore, tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.